Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Connections and Directions, our University of Michigan Civil and Environmental Engineering podcast. My name is Michelle Santillian, and I am the CEE Marketing Communications Specialist and host of this series. During our podcasts, we are featuring members of our CEE community and how their work reflects our mission of engineers in service to society. We will be highlighting our strategic directions and our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. CEE's five strategic directions are human habitat experience, shaping resource flows, adaptation, automation, and smart infrastructure finance. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Rachel O'Brien, who's coming to us from the College of William and Mary and whose work focuses on characterizing aerosol particles and organic films on indoor surfaces by studying the chemical composition and the products formed during atmospheric aging. Welcome, Dr. O'Brien, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for the for the opportunity. We're very excited about you joining us um, this coming fall. If you could, please share with our listeners some details about your research area and goals and how they fit in with CEE strategic directions and our mission of engineers in service to society. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, and that introduction was was perfect. Yeah, my research focuses on air quality uh, very broadly. Uh, so that's both outdoor and indoor. Um, and as you mentioned, I focus on aerosol particles. Um, so those are small solid or liquid particles and they're suspended in the air. And we've kind of all experienced them, but we probably don't think about them that much. Um, so aerosol particles, um, you've seen them if you've seen a smoggy day or pictures of smoggy cities, um, or if you've seen some wildfires, a lot of the smoke that's coming out um, and that's kind of obscuring the, the visibility, those are, are aerosol particles. So we look at those and try to understand their composition um, and also their sizes and how that composition varies as a function of the size of the particles, because that has some really important links to the health impacts. And in general, breathing these aerosol particles in uh, is a bad idea. Um, they, they have some, some very strong negative correlations with human health. Um, so the less of them that we have in the air, the better uh, from a health standpoint. And then indoors, we think about these particles and we think about them also settling on the surfaces and the chemical mixtures that are, are kind of on these surfaces. And so the links between those sort of our outdoor air quality and then our indoor air quality, where we're spending the majority of our time, right? We really spend something like 80 to 90% of our, our lives indoors. And we really want to understand what it is that, that humans are actually breathing uh, when they're going about all of their, their daily activities. So the research in my group is, is going to kind of focus on this air quality question. And it really ties into that, that human habitat experience and thinking about what people are exposed to in whatever home uh, or, you know, at work, um, during their commute, what it is that they're actually breathing. Um, and one of the highlights uh, for the human habitat experiences is, is really trying to push for something that we definitely need, which is, you know, a, a low carbon uh, and a low water footprint. Uh, for our buildings. But this is really challenging, especially if we're thinking about, you know, indoor air quality and, and exposure for chemicals, because a lot of <laughs> the ideas that we have for trying to minimize, you know, the amount of energy that it takes to keep our buildings at a comfortable 
basically temperature and, and relative humidity, those are going to minimize the amount of air exchange we have outdoors. And that air exchange and that ventilation is really what we need to help improve our air quality uh, indoors. And so these don't necessarily go hand in hand. And it's it's really a challenge um, in terms of engineering to try to design and develop um, basically buildings that have that meet the needs that we have uh, in terms of, of being low energy and high energy efficiency, but um, that have the ventilation and the air quality uh, that we really need uh, in order to have a nice lived experience. Um, so we're going to be looking at basically what it is in the air that, that people are breathing um, and also thinking about that from a standpoint of, of health and really trying to characterize the chemical composition and the characteristics of these particles as a function of size uh, in indoor spaces. Um, and then I'm also hoping we could do um, some outreach and work with the public to really try to understand uh, the particles that they're breathing, basically the particles that they're breathing in, um, in different environments, um, and with hopefully some sensors uh, that can be deployed. Specifically, um, what types of sensors are you thinking about, and um, how would they? How specifically would they be deployed? Yeah, so there's been a range of upgrades to sensors that have come online, especially particle sensors, which is really exciting. Um, and there's some suites uh, that have come out that give you, they don't get down into the smallest size ranges, but they still give you some level of size resolution, um, which is just really exciting um, when you're thinking about real-time data and relatively small and unobtrusive uh, sensor boxes. And so how we would be deploying them is a really good question. Um, one of the things I'm interested in is looking at what's outdoors versus indoors, right? So thinking about our outdoor sources and particles that are coming indoors, but then also thinking about indoor sources. So food cooking has been found to be a major source for aerosol particles indoors, but we really don't know how toxic or unhealthy those particles are compared to the types of particles that you're getting uh, coming from vehicle emissions, right? Um, so there's potentially some some really big differences and we really need to understand the particle loading and also um, composition differences between the two of them. So some paired indoor-outdoor sensors um, in some buildings, uh, potentially some homes, uh, if we can find some willing participants, uh, would be kind of an ideal uh, study design. I see, I see. And then you also mentioned doing public outreach, in addition, mm -hmm. presumably, to asking members of the public to participate um, in this study. What are some other things that you would like to see happen? Yeah, so one of the things that I think is really interesting is, is just thinking about the types of exposures that we have um, whenever we're going about our day. Right. And these low cost sensors are really nice um, for that type of work because they allow us to basically have a view or a perspective on on the types of, of particle loading that we have in any different environment. Um, and a lot of these have GPS capabilities. So I think it would be really fun uh, to build some, some kits for people to take around. Um, maybe they can take them on some walks in the city. Maybe they can take them on walks around Ann Arbor. Um, but to really try to get a perspective on what is actually in the air uh, that people are breathing. And, you know, maybe we can get them uh, to take them indoors uh, in, in some public buildings and see what's actually happening indoors as well. Um, but a lot of exploration uh, and hopefully some relatively rapid feedback so that the um, 
the people that are using them can actually see, um, maybe not real time, but but relatively soon, <laughs> what it was that they were being uh, exposed to. And do you have a time frame of when you might like to start doing this outreach? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a lot of things I need to get set up uh, in my laboratory. Um, and I definitely want to recruit some students um, to join me uh, in these experiments. Um, but I think hoping sometime next summer to really start trying to, to develop some of the ideas and the uh, infrastructure that we want to have to be able to uh, do these outreach activities. Um, so that would be kind of my, <laughs> my ideal goal would be to, to start getting some, some sensor boxes built uh, next summer. Okay, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I saw an article in the Washington Post that talked about uh, the need for improved ventilation in schools, especially as we're heading back Mm -hmm. into a new academic year. Is there anything that you would like to discuss on that topic? I mean, absolutely. Ventilation, I mean, it's, 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 it's the solution. You you need to ventilate. You need to purify the air. You need to clean the air. Um, so to the extent that we can get schools um, and, and other buildings where people are spending a large deal of time um, to clean their air better and improve uh, the air quality by filtering the air and removing the particles, um, some of those are going to contain uh, COVID and other um things like bacteria in them that we really don't want to be breathing in. Um, It is ideal uh, to be able to, to improve that to the extent that we can. Um, And really the limitations, I mean, I I honestly, I don't live there yet, so (laughs) we'll see what, what, what that looks like. But uh, to the extent that we can, encouraging people to to increase uh, the air exchange rate that they have in the rooms and uh, their filtration and ventilation. Um, Absolutely. And how did you become interested in your area of study? Was there a course or a personal experience you had that led you to explore your research topic in depth? Um, a little bit. I actually never had a course um, that, that started in it. It's actually not that common. Um, at, at, I went to a small liberal arts school to have atmospheric chemistry focused courses. Um, but I did have an experience uh, where I actually had a really bad chest cold. Um, it was actually a bronchitis, double bronchitis infection. But my chest was really weak. And my parents actually came and took me home from college so that I could get some extra rest. And I was asleep in the back of the car, um, and they were taking me through. Um, I lived in Kansas at the time, and I went to school in Iowa. So they were taking me through Kansas City, and I was asleep. And I remember waking up because I just couldn't breathe. And I looked out, and I realized I was in, in the industrial part of Kansas City, right? And, and so suddenly when we are in this industrial part of Kansas City, the air quality was so bad. And I didn't know what it was then. You know, I had no idea anything about the field, but I just knew that I couldn't breathe. And I thought about, you know, wow, I'm, I have really sensitive lungs right now. Um, but that immediate response to the environment just had a really big impact on me. And thinking then later about, you know, the people that have to breathe that type of air all day um, and what that does um, to their lungs and to their overall health. Um, and so that was kind of one of the big things that, that drew me towards it. And I realized how important it is to be able to have a clean breath of air, right, um, in our life. And, and we take that for granted in many cases, but it's something that we really need to work on um, in many environments so that everybody can live um, healthy and, and happy lives. 
Is there anything that you think can be done in a heavily and a heavy industrial area, such as the one you described, um, to bring almost immediate or at least a fairly quick turnaround to the quality of air in that area? That's a great question. Um, in general, the best thing to do is to try to minimize emissions. Um, and I know that there's a lot of push in that area, um, both in terms of decreasing vehicle emissions, uh, but also increase, decreasing industrial um, emissions. So to the extent that we can continue that trend, um, that is the right direction to go. Okay. And what classes do you anticipate teaching initially, and do you have ideas for additional or new courses that you would like to add to the curriculum down the road? Yeah, so I will be teaching um, at the graduate level um, CEE 563, um, which is air quality engineering. And then at the undergraduate level, I'll be teaching CEE 265, which is sustainability um, and engineering principles. And um, I think that's where I'm uh, slated to start for the first few years. Um, and then in the longer term, I'd like to develop some classes, potentially in aerosol chemistry um, as kind of a complement to uh, the more aerosol physics-based courses that we have. Um, and then also one uh, potentially in indoor air quality, uh, really focusing on the ideas um, of, of indoor air um, and, and basically different building um, designs in terms of the type of chemistry that occurs indoors. How do you incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into your research and the classes that you teach? That is a really great question. Um, so for me, one of the important, most important aspects of that is, is kind of representation. Um, because that was really impactful for me um, when I went. So I am bisexual and I'm also non-binary. And when I went to undergraduate, I went to undergraduate at Grinnell College, which is a, a very liberal school. And just being surrounded um, by and seeing so many faculty members that were um, out and um, very supportive <laughs> and um, very happy. And it's basically a very healthy environment. Um, that was, was really awakening for me, um, that that could kind of exist. And so I want to bring that perspective uh, both to my laboratory and also to the classroom that, you know, we can have representation um, across the board for different types um, of lifestyles and different types of, of choices. Um, and I support uh, students um, basically across the board uh, with that. I also have some background uh, from my previous work, working with some groups uh, that are basically student run uh, that are focusing on supporting underrepresented minorities. Uh, so Noba um, is the one that I've worked with previously. And I'd be really interested in getting involved in similar types of groups um, at Michigan um, and also getting involved um, in some of the uh, committee work um, that the department is carrying out um, to really basically learn what's happening uh, at Michigan and see where I can contribute. Is there a general message that you would like to convey to our U of M CEE audience? Is there anything perhaps that you'd like to add that I did not ask or address during this podcast? Um, mostly just that I am so incredibly excited uh, to be joining everyone. And um, I really can't wait to become a part of this community up there. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for everything um, that I'm going to get to experience uh, and to learn and to get to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled. 
Well, we're excited to welcome you, and we look forward to having you here on our campus um, very, very soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast conversation. For more information about CEE at Michigan, please visit our website at cee.umich.edu. You can also reach our YouTube channel and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages from our website.